Good morning and welcome to another little bit late episode of the Christian Underground News Network. Um, I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. Um, If you were expecting to hear from us yesterday and didn't, we had a good reason for that. Uh, We had a little snow delay, I think you could call it, Um, and it wasn't so little, was it? No, it was. <laughs> but we are uh, we are back on track, and uh, we're glad that you decided to join us today for our continuing study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, our last episode, we left off uh, discussing a rather, uh, some consider a controversial subject, uh, which is mentioned in chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, regarding... Uh, spiritual gifts. Uh, the one that, that's mentioned and is the most controversial, uh, I suppose, is uh, the gift of tongues. Uh, we were talking about that. I think we're going to continue to talk about that today, that controversial subject. Aber alle haben viel Spaß und viel Vergnügen. Yeah? Whoa, what was that? You, you didn't understand that? No, I didn't understand that. Well, now, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. Um, I should probably interpret that. Uh, Would you please interpret what you just said? Uh, Well, uh, in English, I think I said we're going to continue our study of that controversial subject. And the part that maybe you didn't understand was Alle haben viel Spaß und viel Vergnügen which is German for, it's a known, I know, I can't help it. It's a known language, uh, German. And um, I said, uh, we're going to study the controversy, but we're going to have fun doing it. Okay. Okay. So uh, without any further uh, language barriers, uh, (laughs) I'm going to turn it over to Pastor, who I'm pretty certain will, will continue in nothing but good English. So, Pastor Chamberlain, take it away, sir. Nothing but good English. Well, that ain't necessarily so. Already. Okay. We're in the book of Ephesians, but, but have your Bibles ready, because we will also be in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, and uh, I hope this will be uh, as brief as I can possibly make it without, uh, without beating the drum too loudly or too long. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says uh, that uh, when Christ ascended, he gave gifts uh, unto men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some pastors, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And the reason was for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's the purpose. Now, what's the time span on this? It says till. Oh, does that mean there might be an end to the gifts? Yes, because there's a time when uh, coming when we will not need those gifts. So he says, till we all come into the unity of faith. And folks, you know that there's not much unity uh, in Christian churches today because we have so many denominations or divisions, if you will. So until we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a complete man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Have we gotten there yet? I say nay, but we got to be working towards that. Now, what about these gifts? Well, we taught, we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in our last podcast, and we and we gave a list of the spiritual gifts, um, which is in addition to uh, the gifts talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And so there were some more gifts than just these. And one of those gifts was uh, tongues. And we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Uh, so in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the, uh, uh, the lists of gifts. Then in chapter 13, it talks about the administration of the gifts. And chapter 13 is called oftentimes the love chapter. And in that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, verse 8, it says this, Charity or love never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Um, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And so that's what the gifts are for. Till something happens in, uh, uh, prophetically, and when that happens, when that is, which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That means gifts are only for uh, a part of the time. And then they will be done away. And uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says it. Now, one of the biggest controversies that we, we have about these gifts is about the, the, the gifts or so-called gift of tongues. And the reason I say that, the reason I'm dwelling with it is because Paul had difficulty with the Corinthian church over the so-called gift of tongues. When I say so-called, uh, you'll see that they, that there were two different kinds of tongues that he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So chapter 12 is the list of gifts. Chapter 13 talks about how to use the gifts. And chapter 14 tells you how to not use, how to not use one of them. Right. And so let's begin reading chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Follow after charity. Well, that's love. He said he just got done writing a chapter on that and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So what's the most important gift? It isn't the gift of tongues. It's the gift of preaching the word of God. And then he says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now, Curtis opened up this podcast like a smart aleck, and I—he's my son, and so I can—he's my son, and so I can call him that. But I, I'm glad the way he did it. He spoke in a known tongue, a tongue that's that's uh, in existence even today. It says, First Corinthians fourteen, two says, "For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men." but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification. Now, isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, that the gifts were the edification of the body of Jesus Christ? So when you speak in the, in the assembly, it's for the edification 
and exhortation and comfort of the people of God. And it's then it says here, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Now, what's he talking about? You know, people who speak in an unknown tongue, and there are people that do it in our churches these days, um, uh, and it's wrong. Why would you speak in an unknown tongue if there's nobody there can understand it? Why would you do that? It doesn't help to build up or edify anybody because they can't understand it. But what happens if you're doing it aloud in the assembly? You're showing off. You're creating confusion. Too. You're puffing up and edifying yourself. yourself. And people that do this thing uh, uh, lord it over those who can't mm-hmm. or don't. And I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And Paul tells us that. Then he says, I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, how in the world can you interpret an unknown tongue if it's unknown? Now, brethren, I come unto you speaking with tongues. Now, he said, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, What shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And that's what should come from the pulpit. And even things without life giving sound, and here's where he's being a little sarcastic. A little. (laughs) And he's talking about those who speak in an unknown tongue, who seek to edify themselves, and, and who say they're speaking to God and not to you. And then he says, even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, they make sounds. Except they give a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? You can play a flute. What does that mean? That you could play the flute, I guess. I don't know. It has no, it has no spiritual edification for me. Then he says this in verse eight: "For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle?" So here's what the preacher needs to do: speak in the language of his congregation, and speak to him in spirit, speak to them in spirit and in truth and in power and in love, and tell them exactly what the Word of God says and what God expects for us to do mm-hmm. and how to do it. Right. Then he says, so likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For they shall speak in the air. Oh. You're just blowing wind wow. if you don't. Anyway, so I'm not going to hit too much of it. Um, it, uh, it says in verse 12, even so, uh, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, see that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Oh. And if unknown tongues don't edify anybody but yourself, then stop doing it and don't do it. Okay. Agreed. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to move forward a little bit because uh, I want to get back to the uh, to the book of Ephesians because in Ephesians chapter 4, there are so many wonderful things. But I wanted to tell you something about this controversial so-called gift of unknown tongues. Mm-hmm. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, he said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues. Now, he didn't say unknown tongues. He says, I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, that sounds like he was a southerner, doesn't it, you all? But <laughs> It does sound a bit Georgia-ish. Okay. <laughs> no offense, please, people. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. And he did. Paul could speak Aramaic. Yep. Hebrew. That's right. Greek. That's right. And Latin. Oh, my God. That we know of. He could speak all those languages. He was educated in a place where they spoke Aramaic. He was multilingual. He was multilingual. And probably a sesquipedalian, too. (laughs) Forgive him, folks. He didn't interpret that. Okay, never mind. (laughs) He said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church. Now, here's where I'm getting at. Yet, in, and we're talking about gifts that edify. He said, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. In verse 22, he says, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. The Jews require a sign. Scripture plainly says that. And and by the way, the first use of tongues was at Pentecost, when the 120 people in the upper room began to speak uh, with other tongues so that people from 14 different nations who were Jews could understand in their own language because that's what God gave these people to do. And, And we never see God giving that to a group of people ever again because it's not necessary. Paul and Barnabas, and a lot of other men went out into the world then, preached the gospel. And they preached it in the language of people to whom they go. Thank God for missionaries today. They have to study to learn a foreign language and to learn it conversationally and scripturally. Bless their hearts. Some of them need an interpreter but the interpreter interprets in the language of the people to whom the missionary is speaking. The, the unknown language. In a known language. And so, uh, and so understand uh, that that's what these, uh, the wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth for them that believe not, but for, serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. And so this is all to be done so that the whole church can come together in a unified body, understand the preaching of the word, and to be able to hear the word of God, to believe the word of God, and to do the word of God. Mm-hmm. Enough said? Is that language clear? I understood it. Very good. No interpretation needed there. Yep. Okay. 
that's all I'm going to say on the gift of tongues. The, the controversy is that God is not giving the gift of tongues. Missionaries today learn it in their schools because others have spoken it. Right. But unknown tongues are worthless. Absolutely worthless. Except that the guy who did it or the woman who did it can puff out their chest and say, see how spiritual we are? Mm-hmm. Nonsense. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and I bet you thought we'd never get there again, but we are. Um, um, it says, uh, with regard to these gifts, uh, let's go to uh, Ephesians 4, um, and these gifts are to be used till we all come in the unity of the faith, uh, till we all uh, come unto a perfect or a complete man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And it says this also, that we henceforth be no more children. Um, God blessed me with two wonderful children, Curtis and Kelly, son and a daughter, and neither one of them came out of the womb speaking any language. They came out crying. It took quite a while before we could get, their mother and I could get them to understand what words mean. Even when Curtis was a teenager, I had to say something like, now, how many times do I have to say this to you? So um, we, we, we need to help people to grow so that they would be no more children. They don't have to say Dada. They can say Heavenly Father now. And that's what this is all about. And then he says this. <laughs> and sometimes as a father, I had to I had to remind myself when I spoke to my children, it says, but speaking the truth in love. Oh boy. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 said? Mm-hmm. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And that means, folks, if you go to a local New Testament fundamental Bible believing, um, and I probably should throw in King James, but I won't, church, and there are many members, they don't all have the same gift. But they're to use their gifts in the body of Christ to help the church to learn how to go, how to grow, and how to glow in the sight of God, and to grow up and and to edify one another. And it says this, I say, therefore, in verse 17 of, of Ephesians 4, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. And he's talking to believers. Don't walk like the world. Walk like you know somebody, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk like you are somebody, that is, believers, redeemed believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk like people that know how to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. You know, the word walk appears a lot of times in the book of Ephesians. Sure does. And it talks about our Christian walk, the way we, uh, the way we manage and our lives and present ourselves to uh, a dying world. Then he says this in verse 18. Uh, the other Gentiles were walking in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the other Gentiles. That's the people that are that are lost, people that don't believe. And then it says in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's the way the unbelieving world walks. Don't walk that way. Because... In verse 20 of chapter 4, the book of Ephesians, he says, But ye, believers, ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me but by the Father. John 1, 14, uh, he talks about him, uh, that uh, be, Jesus being God in the flesh, full of grace and truth. The truth is in Jesus. And then he says this, and here's a nice little outline I think maybe you could put in the margin of your Bible. Just three points, and uh, I don't know how close we are to the end of this First half, Curtis? Got almost eight minutes. Please. Okay, then uh, then I'll take every bit of it. And then he says here in verse 21, If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And then he says this, three things that a believer is supposed to do in his walk with Christ and his walk as Christ and, his, and, and they all begin with the letter P. I love to alliterate, but the Bible helps me to do that. It says here that ye put off. Change your clothes. Get out of those filthy, sinful grave clothes. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's what you're like when, before you're saved. Whether you like it or not, I don't like saying it. But the Bible says it, so I have to. And then he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, you got to put on a new uniform, folks. Put off those grave clothes of sin. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the new uniform. And that's what he says in verse 24. And that you put on the new man. So here we're to put off something. And now he says, put on something. Put on the new man. Change your way of thinking and behaving. That's right, because you're brand new. Yeah. You're brand new in Jesus Christ. The day you get saved, you are a baby in Jesus Christ. You are born again and and you have got to grow unto maturity how is it i put it curtis in another article 
from maternity to maturity, from maturity to milk. And oh, from milk to meat. And then from milk to meat. And then meat to meat maturity. To, to maturity. Let me say that again. From maternity to maturity. maturity. From maturity. From milk to meat. From milk to meat. Milk from yeah. meat to maturity, yeah, that's and right. that's all right. Okay, so that's how you're supposed to go. Uh, and so you got to grow up. You put on the put on the new clothing. Uh, don't wear the diaper anymore. Put on the clothes. And he says, so you put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and truly and true holiness. So put off and put on. Now, in verse 25, it says here, wherefore putting away. So there's three things. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. And now he says, here's what you're to do, is you're to put away some things. He says, wherefore put away lying. Now, if you told me you've never told a lie, you just told one. Put away lying. Well, that's, you know, that's probably the hardest thing. Sometimes I'm joking with people and, and not telling them the truth. You know, that can be construed as a lie. And, and so we're, we're supposed to put that away. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We, we are members one of another. And the minute you get saved, you are put into the body of Christ. I mean, if I were put in the body of Christ well, uh, as a member, what member would I like to be? I've, I've thought about this recently. Um, but I, would I like to be a finger? Would I like to be a mouth? Uh, most people say, yeah, you are one. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. By the way, uh, what, what good is is uh, is having feet if you don't have any legs to walk with you know the, everything in the bo body's got to work properly and so we have to be members one of another and then he says something there and i want to and i want to speak to this he says be angry and sin not can i ask you a question let me ask you something, dear believer. Is it okay to be angry? Yes. You're just going to say that right out. Well, you're asking me half the question. <laughs> I mean, is it okay to be angry? Yeah. For a believer to be angry? Yes. Oh, okay. It's okay. Well, why would you say that? Well, it's only okay if you don't sin in doing it. Ah. Be angry and sin not. Let's see, was Jesus angry when he took the whip and drove the money changers out of the temple? I would Ooh. say that's a good indicator. You, that he might have been a bit perturbed. You betcha, Red Rider, he was angry. And by the way, in the book of uh, Psalms, it said, Psalms verse 7 or 711, I think uh, that's the correct verse. And Proverbs 14, 17, it talks about God is being angry with the wicked every day. Every day. Is that correct? God is angry? Well, that's we, right. We, well, we know he's not sinning. And we know that he's not lying either. That's right. Okay. 
So it's, it's okay to be angry and sin not. It says then, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, if you can't sleep very well, maybe it's because you, uh, you haven't put everything out of your mind. Now, it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now, I've got a little time. I'm going to give you an illustration. Uh, I proposed to my lovely Sharon. I told her I was going to be her protector, her provider. And we had one, one rule early on in our marriage, and it works. Uh, we still get angry. Uh, she gets ticked off at me sometimes. And uh, I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, we made a rule. We were never going to go to bed angry. Mm -hmm. And here we are in our 41st year of marriage. And sometimes we get angry with one another, but our day ends with a kiss goodnight. Our, our dog cuddles even gets on in on the kissing. She kisses me on the nose with her tongue, but, <laughs> but, uh, and so we, we, and so marriage is good. If when we were angry, we didn't let it go to the uh, um, to the epitome of, of sinning. And so we go to bed loving one another and it works. Well, we're, we've got a few seconds left. And so uh, I'm going to get you ready for verses 28 through 32. And we'll zero in on the word let. Oh. Okay. All right. So with that being said, let us conclude this half hour segment and take a break and we'll pick it up in just a few moments. Yeah. Hang tight. Stay with us. Okay. We'll see you later.